was a boy who had a band of brothers. There was a boy who had a band of brothers. He left to meet in council in the wilderness of Maine. He left to meet in council in the wilderness of Maine. And if you asked him who it was he lived for. And if you asked him who it was he lived for. He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. Far away! Far away! Far away! He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far. Good evening, Cobbacy families, and welcome to another Cobbacy Evening Fireside Podcast. The Braves, the Warriors, and most of Council at this stage is in their beds. The sun has long ago gone down over the bunks. It's time for you to find out what happened today. Each morning before the boys shuffle off to morning flags, blue sheets are put on each wooden breakfast table. They are the color of a main summer sky, and each boy and each counselor pours over those blue sheets to see what will happen today, except, of course, today is day three of Color War 33. There are no blue sheets. Blue sheets are a distant memory. Blue sheets are what happens in regular life. All we have is Color War. It was a wonderful day, though, for Color War, weather-wise. Just in case you were wondering, it was my favorite of all the combos of weather outside of outright raining. I actually love it when it dumps. But besides that, my second favorite is what happened today. 78 degrees, pretty windy. It just felt fresh. Everybody, third day in, getting a little tired, getting a little ragged. Some of those shirts don't look like they've been washed for a little while. Kids look like real warriors. There was a kid today who walked up to me, and he had mud and red stuff all over his face. I'm like, do you have actual mud and blood on your face? And he goes, no, this is juice. So, you know, not exactly warriors. Almost. Some of them are actually warriors, because... That's what we call the 5th and 6th graders. I digress. So we have a just a magnificent day for day three. It was so great. It was just great. Here's what happened. Reveille, 745, a Bob, the American presidents, my favorite being Teddy Roosevelt. 8.30, silent breakfast. 9.15, cleanup. 9.40, inspection. Round five. Group one had combined soccer kick. Group two had around the bases. Group three had tennis. So did group four. Group five had soccer. Group six had handball. Seven and eight and staff had a swim meet. That's right. And at 11, 15, the staff had awesome ball, which was truly awesome. Lots and lots of tatas, which is awesome ball talk for when you hit a home run. Also at 11.15, team time. The songs have been chosen. The original songs are being sung now loudly all over camp. It's an interesting feature of Color War that the songs are not secret. You can hear them. You know which song the other team has practiced because when half of a team of, I don't know, almost 160 people uh, is practicing a song, it's loud. So everybody knows what's coming. and You just got to make your song better than the song you're hearing, which is pretty exciting. At 12.15, how many? 12.25, the infamous egg toss, then a silent lunch, then the spelling bee, which was so hotly contested that it had to be finished later. And the final two contestants were Counselor Henry Sy and, wait for it, David Asrakoff, who is English-American, and his enunciation is exquisite. Round six, kickball for group one. Combined baseball throw for group three. 
baseball, just regular baseball for group four, handball for five, three-point shooting contest for six, basketball for seven, and cross country for group eight. That was a gnarly race. Three o'clock, everybody got their theme for improvised skits. Then there was team time, 3.30, staff volleyball, and then 5.15, one of the highlights of any color war is the improvised skits. You basically get a theme and things you have to say, and then you have to come up with a skit that's going to make the judges laugh. I thought they were both great. I really did. They were pretty funny. I was a feature in both, as was Tom and Griff and Lloyd. Normal um, characters, I guess. Normal characters to lampoon in these sort of things pop up. Usually I'm wearing a flannel shirt and someone who's usually taken a dry erase marker and colored a beard, a scraggly beard onto somebody. Not today. Today I was clean shaven in both skits. Interestingly, Griff was played by Jonathan Lee today, which was a pretty funny one, watching Jonathan Lee pretend to be Griff. Gray won resoundingly in the skit, although it's an interesting thing because you can only vote as a judge. You can only vote for one of the two, you just have to choose binary, which one's the one you choose to win. So you can end it with a lopsided score, but um, that can be really close, which is what happened today. They were pretty close. Dinner, then round seven, group one and two were able to relax and watch football or basketball. Group three, combined soccer kick. Group four, three-point shooting. Same with group five. Group six played football, an excellent football game today for group six. Seven had combined football kick. And then group eight had handball. And tonight was the hatchet hunt. 8-15, the hatchet hunt, one of the great traditions of Camp Cobbacy for boys and the color war. And that's your Blue Sheet Report for today, day three of Color War 33. It's a wonderful and busy thing to run Camp Cobbacy for Boys, and each day I make it out of the office and into the breeze and sunlight of Cobbacy itself and spend time with your boys. This is what I saw today. It's really two things, both of which I saw at night. I have to tell you about last night's staff soccer, which was raging as we were recording last night's podcast. Here's what happened. Gray probably, and I'm going to get slack for this, Probably outplayed Blue. But in a crucial last minute, for most of the game, even though they were outplayed, Blue jumped up 2-1 on Gray. And then in a freakish moment where a ball was lobbed, we're talking about the last, I don't know, probably minute and a half, this all happens. Ball gets lobbed over the last defenseman, and even though... Um, it's a little offside, a little not offsides, but a little bit. Um, the angles are a little weird. The blue goalie goes for it, but a blue defenseman who shall remain unnamed, but looks a lot like Karen Pegram, our head of lacrosse, kicks the ball over the goalie into his own net, making it tied. Blue gets up and has 30 seconds left, and otherwise is going to PK shootouts because we're out of time. And Coach Jamie Miller leans into Z, Aziz Ahmed, and says, just shoot it, because there's only a few seconds. Z takes two steps backwards and cracks it from center field, upper left corner, like a guillotine, ladies and gentlemen. Game over. 
blue wins. Ooh, gotta love Color War. It was amazing. So funny. Z, who's a very exuberant human being, took off his shirt and started running around, probably a little bit on the edge in terms of sportsmanship. And even though there's really no other game, it's the end. It's only staff soccer. That's, there's nothing else. There's no, it's not a soccer league or anything. You turn around, and one of our visiting judges is holding up a yellow card. <laughs> I thought it was good. Symbols are important. That's still yellow card-worthy behavior. <laughs> so, all day long. I'm not going to give you all the scores here and there because it's all online. But all day long, blue would get a little of an edge. Gray would come back. Blue would get a little edge. Gray would come back. Edge, catch up, edge, catch up. All day long. The, and every time they caught up, they caught up a little bit more. The gray scorpions, like scorpions you expect in storybooks, I guess. They're just kind of sneaking around the edges, always jumping out and stinging you. Well, that seemed to be happening to those poor orcas. It's actually impossible, now that I'm thinking about it, for in real life for an orca to ever really encounter a scorpion. I can't imagine how that would possibly happen. Um, but anyway, in this situation, the scorpion's harrying the orcas, harrying them just a little bit more of a gain each time until before the hatchet hunt, before the big event. It turns out whoever wins the hatchet hunt is going to take the lead. Hatchet hunt is only worth 15 points. Winner take all 15 points. If gray wins, the gray scorpions win, they'll jump ahead for the first time in color war. And if blue wins, they'll extend their slight lead by 15 more points. At the end of day three, it doesn't get any better than this in terms of a neck-and-neck -neck race. Blue's been leading, but only by a little bit. Those pesky scorpions will not go away, not even for a second. So here's what happens. So this, the hatchet hunt is a very elaborate scavenger hunt that Griff stole from Camp Lennox over in New Hampshire. He was there for a summer. Uh, stole is maybe a strong word, but he borrowed it in every single detail. Let's put it that way. And it's really cool. You get oh, runners. You get the first set of clues, and you run out. And there's a bunch of runners, and they run out with the flashlights. And there's a, a, a narrated time. You have two minutes remaining, one minute remaining. You have 30 seconds remaining, and so on and so forth. And if you come back late, one person comes back late, and it costs the next wave a runner. Two, two runners, and so on. Which means your ability to search might be decreased, but by staying out longer, you might actually learn more. And you can give better intel back to your home base and the home base is they're trying to decide which places to send different runners and they're also trying to decipher the clues which are coming out every round so here's what happens sometimes the clues are impossible no one can figure it out some genius must have been pursuing the clues tonight because right away the kids figured out where they thought it might be near sometimes it takes forever seven clues to even get an idea of where the hatchet is hiding there's only one hatchet here are the rules. You can't bring it back after the time has elapsed. If you bring back the hatchet after the time has elapsed, everybody loses and nobody wins, and everything is ruined. It's never been done, but boy, if you did, that's a thing. Never bring back the hatchet late. Never, never, never. It just ruins it. No one wins. Everyone's just has to go home after all that effort. But if you know where the hatchet is, you can hide it and then just come back late, and all that happens is the next wave is penalized a runner or two. No big deal. There is a boy who four years ago came to Camp Cravacy for Boys from mainland China. His name is Jonathan Lee. And he, I would say then, four years ago, would not be considered a sports fan or really a sporty guy at all. But he liked it here. He liked to draw. He liked to talk to counselors. Didn't love the canon. Loved everything else. Came back year after year after year. Got better at sports. And 
if you could have guessed out of all the 196 boys here who would find the hatchet, you would never have guessed Jonathan Lee. But there he is in the dark, shines his flashlight. There's always someone guarding the hatchet, hiding and guarding it so they can see if fair play is happening. And everybody shines their light over the dispenser for the sunscreen, and they just keep going. And Jonathan Lee looks just one second longer at it, and he sees the hatchet. And he gets so excited, Cobbesee families, that he starts running around and kind of just freaking out and kind of falls down. And then a couple of warriors try to come help him out from his team because they can see that he is so excited that he has found the hatchet. This is literally Willy Wonka in the Golden Ticket-esque excitement. He doesn't know what to do. And he's going to run out of time, and maybe, maybe, who knows what he's going to do. And so uh, another boy, Will Ryland, runs up and he's like, we got to hide the hatchet. And he takes the hatchet and he puts it on the deck or maybe in Saboyas. We don't really know. On the deck, probably. And then they both run back late. They tell the sachem where it is. And the sachem, Will Rosencrantz, runs down to the deck and gets the hatchet and runs in. And they win. Blue wins. So they're up by a little bit now in Color War. But importantly... Everyone understands how momentous it is that Jonathan Lee, of all people, found the mythical hatchet. You'll see in the photos for tonight a boy on the shoulders of the blue team looking extremely excited and still a little bewildered. That's our man, Jonathan Lee. I don't have anything else to tell you except that's the kind of thing that legends are made of and why we do this at all. That is another informal podcast for yet another glorious day at Camp Cobbacy for boys. Your boys will go to sleep tonight with good counselors watching over them, nodding off, surrounded by their friends, totally spent because of day three, Color War 33, loons sounding on the lake. All is well in this place set apart.